Brought to you by Leave the Ring Network. All boxing, no filter. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the pound for pound best radio show around the world. It's Leave it in the Ring. Welcome back to another edition of Leaving Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas. We're going to talk heavyweight fights. Actually, we're going to talk Dante Wilder, Luis Ortiz rematch, which is happening November 23rd on Saturday in Las Vegas at the MGM. Dante Wilder is going to be defending his WBC title, which is on the line, which was on the line in March 3rd in 2018 against Ortiz. But he was able to be successful against Ortiz by stopping him in the 10th round. And some considered one of the best heavyweight fights in 2018. First off, we got to thank the heavyweights. I think we need to thank all the heavyweights. We got to thank Tyson Fury the most. Uh, after being in that spectacular fight with Dante Wilder and getting dropped in the last round and looking like he was done, he was out. He, he was able to get his spirit back in his body and rise from the canvas and go all the way through the 12th round to get a draw decision against Dante Wilder. And everybody was hoping that the rematch was going to happen immediately. Actually, Dante Wilder was hoping that the rematch was going to happen. Uh, he felt like there was unfinished business. He felt like he won. Some folks that fight felt that Tyson Fury uh, had won that night. But Tyson Fury decided to, to sign with top rank. And he, he decided to have uh, a different... Well... He decided to take a different route with his career. You know, he's landed the WWE pay-per-view uh, in, in Saudi Arabia. He, he decided to fight other uh, upcoming prospect heavyweights in the heavyweight division. So that left open doors there, okay, for Dante Wilder. Now, he's been bidding and, and chasing down Anthony Joshua, but Andy Ruiz upset at that card. Andy Ruiz stepped in and decided to stop AJ in a, in a spectacular heavyweight division. So we got to thank them. Thank all the heavyweights right now, because I don't, you know, I don't think since I've been doing this for what, 12 years or so, uh, podcasting and YouTube, I don't think there's one time I've been so excited about the heavyweight divisions because there wasn't really a whole lot to talk about. Not saying that Latimer Klitschko or the Klitschko brothers, Vitelli and them, um, didn't keep things moving and being busy and showing that they were pound for pound some of the best heavyweights out there in our era. But they were so good, they were taking out opponents. They took out all the oncomers that wanted to step in the ring with them, but they were so good at it that they made the fights really just so, you know, boring. But, and it was boring because they were so phenomenal at it. They were so good. They had the size, athleticism, um, they were more experienced than most of the opponents or some of the opponents they got were on the way out. Right now, we got a mixture of everything. We have athleticism versus skill. We got, you know, vice versa. We got guys that are on their way up, on the way out, but they're still making good fights. Right now, we just got a crop of really good uh, in-the-prime fighters that are challenging themselves and really putting the heavyweight back on the world map. 
making a lot of attention that everybody is going to tune in and watch. One right now, one of the most anticipated rematches between Ortiz and Wilder, along with AJ and Ruiz. So we're going to get in about the rematch between Wilder and Ortiz, okay? There's a couple of things that we obviously got to break down and point out. Uh, there's some other things we got to throw out there because I received it on Leaving Ring email, um, questions and concerns. So I'll answer those, but at the same time, I'll give you my breakdown. And I'll probably, I'm not even sure, I'm on the fence right now about my pick. But before I do any of that, let me give you some, uh, let me give you some updates here. If you haven't checked out Zani Zig on F it, Let's Talk Fights, you got to check out this guy. Uh, gives great breakdowns. I love, uh, he talks about other things uh, other than just boxing. He goes in about UFC, WWE, and he's he's honestly going to start talking a little bit about movies and music. So he's definitely a podcast. You got to tune in on the Leaving Ring Network. Evan Rokowski on Aficionados. As always, he's a must listen to every time he drops a podcast. You got to tune in. You got to hear his insight, being that he's been part of the boxing network business for a very long time. He knows what he's talking about. I'm never going to dispute him with him about numbers or whatnot, uh, about some of his picks or whatever. I can. But when it comes to the business side, you can't argue with Evan. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, same thing. Same thing goes with Kurt. You got to tune in and listen to Kurt Boxing. Uh, 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 Esquire does fantastic interviews. I mean, here's a guy that's been in the business for 20 plus years or even more um, and and has worked and sat along some of the best promoters and managers and fighters and, and, and managed them that he's got some really good insight. So tune in to all those. Also really quick. I am making a return for a live show, doing live shows every Monday night at 4 p.m. Pacific and 7 p.m. Eastern time. You got to tune in. You got to listen to myself. We're going to be taking calls. We're going to talk boxing. And I want to introduce you to the two new guys that will be taking the seats that co-host along the side of me uh, during the show. So let's get on to what's going to happen November 23rd here in Las Vegas, uh, Nevada at the MGM the big fight, which a lot of us didn't think that Wilder really want to revisit, revisit the ring with Luis Ortiz. And, I, and I'll tell you why. The first fight was, was really a tug of war. The first fight was a, was a fight for Wilder about whether or not he can hone up enough, enough of, of, of experience that he's been able to gather for himself against a seasoned amateur and professional Luis Ortiz, a Cuban hard hitter and also a one-punch hitter as well. Some folks are not giving him credit right now. I mean, this guy has been labeled as the boogeyman. I call him the Lego brick face of the heavyweight division. You know, he literally just got shoulders and a neck. It's like a big block, you know, and along with all of that, with the punching power, his skills are not, you can't deny his skills. He's a southpaw. He knows how to use a southpaw. He knows how to put his punches together. Um, he, he's, he goes beautiful to the body. He knows how to use the jab. So we saw all of that, that on, on March 3rd. We saw everything that, that Ortiz was supposed to bring to the table. 
We were unsure about Wilder. I've called Wilder numerous times because of his balance. Uh, sometimes he overcommits to his punches that he falls forward with them and he just like swings for the fences. And he just, he's a very passionate guy. So as much passion as he puts into his punches, he sometimes just falls apart. So I call them the Bambi of boxing, right? But I tell you what, that for me on March 3rd was a change of my point of view of him because I saw that he started to be more collective with himself. Okay. Collective, collective with himself because he understood that facing a dangerous opponent like Luis Ortiz, he couldn't go all, all nuts and balls. He, he had to set up punches. Okay. He had to make sure that, that anytime Ortiz let loose a combo, he, he was going to return it with something of his own. Almost almost in the likes of like Barrera Morales. You remember them, the featherweights, uh, the great fighters, Mexican fighters. You know, when, when Morales stepped in with Pacquiao in the first fight and Pacquiao, you know, uploading a mirage of punches, Morales wasn't satisfied of just making him slip and, and you know, uh, making Pacquiao slip and him getting away with it. He wanted to pay for Wanted Pacquiao to pay for any shots that were landed. He wanted the audience and the judges to know that he was always in that fight. And, and that was going to be the last thing they would remember was their punches being thrown back. And that's exactly what Wilder did. Anytime you watch, you got to watch that first fight. Anytime Ortiz decided to take command, Wilder immediately decided to say, no, 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 no. You're in my house. You're in my ring. I'm the champion. I'm going to do what I need to do to remind everybody that it's that's right now thinking that you got the upper hand, that you don't, that I'm the king of the hill. And when I want to come down to the valley and feed, that's exactly what I would do. And that's exactly what he did. Now, were there scary moments for Wilder? Absolutely. Why? Because like I said, Luis Ortiz is a veteran, very intelligent very, very wit witted fighter that knows how to make his opponents do things that they don't want to so that he can capitalize on them. So the one thing that I did actually really enjoy about Wilder, what, what he was doing in the ring was that he kept it simple. He didn't try new things. You know what I mean? He didn't decide, I'm going to try new stuff because, you know, this is what me and my trainer have been doing in the ring uh, in the first fight, right? I'm talking about the first fight. You know, uh, so I'm going to stick to the basics, which is the one-two. One-two, move back, okay? I'm going to one-two, move back, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I keep Ortiz at arm's distance at the end of my punches. So it was up to Ortiz to be the aggressor. It was up to Ortiz to shorten the, the space between them. So the shorter guy had to work his way in. And the way Ortiz tried to work his way in was to jab. But at times when Ortiz would jab, he, he kind of just pawed it out there. And that was not too smart. And I'm going to talk about I'm going to tell you why I wasn't too smart, okay? I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself here because there's two things that, that I was asked on the Leaving Ring Gmails that I'm going to answer right now, but I'm going to give you... I'm going to... I'm going to what, I, what, what I'm about to say now is going to answer the questions that were asked, okay? 
my belief is this. The reason why Luis Ortiz was starting to paw with his jab in the fourth and fifth rounds, if you go back and you, you kind of look and observe the work output that Ortiz was doing, it, it, it almost showed you that he was trying to be conservative. And the reason why he was trying to be conservative is a lot of people forgot that Ortiz took this fight at a short notice, even though uh, the first time they were scheduled to step into the ring, it was canceled because Vada had caught some substance in his body, which could occur to his high blood pressure. So they were able to clear it. But he lost, he lost a bit to the fight because, you know, it was already too late and Wilder had already signed on the fight on a rematch with uh, uh, Stavern. So now Wilder's sitting in, the, in, in, in back, he's sitting back in the shadow, he's waiting, and he gets the call for Wilder, you know, to step in the ring with Wilder. So he takes on, takes the fight on immediately because they felt very confident that they could beat Wilder because of all his flaws. Now, if you go back and you start watching at the end of the eighth round with Ortiz, and this is after Ortiz had been dropped, okay? And that was like three rounds back, but then he really hurt Wilder. And he, he, he just, you know, went after Wilder after he had caught him with a nice short hook. A left hook. I believe it was a left hook, right? I can't remember. But it was one of those. It was his really short punches that caught Wilder uh, when Wilder wanted to open up and trade with them. And then he just immediately jumped on him. He bounced on him, okay? But if you go back and you're watching the fight, in the eighth round, you could really see that Ortiz was gassed out. So some folks were asking, here's the first thing. Does age play into it? And do you think that Ortiz is going to gas out again? And I'm going to say, here's two things. Your body tenses up, especially in that first fight. He was very comfortable. If you watch it, he was very collective. He was very, you know, I mean, he was in his zone. He felt at home in the ring, right? But when you get in there with such a puncher like Wilder, and you, and you have to admit, oh, Wilder has the eraser. This guy... Uh, has this unbelievable power that whatever flaws that he carries, he's going to be able to correct it and get himself out of situations because of that power. So as soon as Ortiz felt that power and was getting, got dropped, go back and watch. His strategy had to change a bit. He was a bit hesitant. He had to get his bearings back, get his feet underneath him, and then slowly take control back. But at the same time, you know, it took a lot out of him because now is the first time he ever got dropped. It's the first time really he ever got so hurt that he's, he's got, he's walking. I mean, he's fighting with cloudy vision. That's unvisited territory for a guy that's been labeled as the boogeyman of the division as a guy that's had his way with his opponents. So that was something new for Ortiz. And it's, so it tensed up his muscles, tensed up his body, and that, ex, that exudes energy. So you have to put that in account, okay? Second one is, like I said, didn't have a full camp. Now, age, of course, age has to play with it. I know that, here, let, me tell, let, me go, let me go on a little rant about this whole age thing about Ortiz, okay? 
really quick. And then we'll go back to the breakdown. But I, I got to put this out there because so many folks asking, how old is this guy for reals? And da 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 da. And I see videos, I see interviews, uh, uh, people mocking about his age and so concerned about his age. Let me ask you this. If you're asking about a fighter's age and you're only worried about his age, why wasn't that the same energy with Bernard Hopkins? With Bernard Hopkins fighting at 47, past 45, going all the way up to 50, it was considered phenomenal. He's a phenom. What do we name him? The alien. Everybody started calling him the alien because, you know, here's a guy that was in his, you know, 45 and 50, right? In those ranges, still competing with the elite, with the, with the young lions of the division. And really, nobody made a big fuss about it. I'm not, not a huge fuss about it. But it didn't seem like it was like a major factor. Even when a young, like when Joe Smith Jr. got in the ring with them, everybody had already written off Joe Smith. Because Bernard, at age 50, had so much knowledge. In one glove, he had more knowledge than Joe Smith's whole career. So no, it was impossible that Joe Smith can do anything because Bernard was an alien. He was a phenomenon. But when it comes to the Cuban heavyweight here, everybody's like, oh, this guy's got to be like 50 years old. He's, he suddenly has become Joe Lewis. Nobody knows, you know, how old this guy is. He's the mystery man. All I say is this, if whatever age he is, and he's still able to compete, and he's still able to knock guys out in such a fashion that he's been able to do, and he almost had, while they're out, definitely had Wilder and his team, you know, concerned, even shit in their pants for a brief moment because he was almost down and out, then Ortiz shouldn't be questioned about his age. We should be applauding his age and skill level that he's still able to do this, perform in such a high level, especially in this sport that's very brutal, not merciful at all, at all. So I think those two things... You got to throw out. Now, a full camp. Full camp can definitely help out a lot. Some are saying of his toned body. He looks slimmer, looks toner, looks stronger. I tell you what, all that eye visually looks great. But does it really matter against a guy like Wilder? It doesn't. Let me tell you this. Wilder at times would be an outbox by Ortiz. And I go back. If... Go back when my when I when I was giving you the analogy of Morales and Barrero, how Wilder's similar to that. You know, you land you land yours, he wants his right back immediately. I'll tell you where Wilder's very very dangerous is against those ropes, and that's something that the Ortiz fan, fan uh, um, team's gotta gotta remember and watch again. Backing up Wilder, who is not uncomfortable against the ropes notice that he's not uncomfortable against those ropes he actually invites that even though his team was telling him in 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 the fourth and fifth round get off those roads get your back off those roads honestly i thought he was more successful with ortiz because ortiz was there he was willing to come forward he felt like he had a man trapped when you feel like you got your opponent trapped what do you do you try to close that distance even more so that you can land some shots wilder fought his way out of there and actually backed ortiz Numerous times. If the one thing that we've witnessed from Wilder is going back or forward, the guy can generate power. It doesn't matter. Back or forward. 
when Ortiz was able to really catch him at moments in the fight is when Wilder overcommits. If you, if you watch Wilder's previous fights all the time, uh, when he overcommits, he makes mistakes. He's, he's vulnerable because he falls forward. So you're able to catch him when he comes forward and you're able to land big punches. The one thing that Ortiz camp need to recognize with Wilder is that Wilder likes to paw his jab a lot. And the reason why he paws his jab is what he does is he's trying to blind you with it. He's not really using it. He's just trying to blind you with it so he can just sneak in that straight right down that middle. Well, Ortiz needs to take advantage of that. Don't allow him to paw it. You know, Ortiz at those times should be jabbing in the body or going underneath that pawing jab and trying to catch him with a left hook to the body. Either way, he's got he's to capitalize on those subtle moments that Wilder is looking for the big bomb. Because the thing about Wilder is that right hand, it proves, and it only proves that that's the weapon that he uses the most because it's the eraser. You know, if you, if you look at everything else that he throws, he loves that right hand. So Ortiz needs to learn how to numify it and avoid it. And, and how do you do that? Well, you circle away from that right hand. Okay. You know, the thing about Ortiz is this. If you go back to that first fight, again, go back to that first fight. Ortiz was able to touch Wilder with his jab. But the problem was, is that when he did touch him, it was really to find the range, you know? So it allowed Wilder to sit back, Paul with his jab, and look for Ortiz to target on. So that's why it's important for Ortiz this time, knowing that, you know what? I can touch him with my jab like I did the first time. I should now use it like a sledgehammer. He needs to use it like a sledgehammer. He needs to be able, he needs to keep Wilder at bay with that jab, which will set him off balance, would make him reset his stance and make Wilder unpatient. Because that's what you want to do with Wilder. That's how we caught him in that in, in, in the round where he was able to hurt Wilder. Was Wilder decided to open up, he got sloppy, and Ortiz kept his punches tight. He kept his elbows in and he threw short punches, was able to catch him with that left hook, right hook, and he was able to rock uh, uh, Wilder. Wilder was very smart and started to grapple and hold him. And that's when Ortiz, being the shorter guy, needs to bend his knees a little bit and start using uppercuts or to get underneath the, the holding from, from Wilder to step around him and make him turn. Make him turn and then you can open up another barrage of punches and you can catch Wilder, okay? So again, he needs to make Wilder be impatient. So that means you don't, you don't immediately be the aggressor. Make it a chess match. Make it a chess match. Because Wilder's already proved he can be aggressive or he can allow you to come to him. You know? And, and his offense is really, really good. If you make him fight, just be aware his offense, and a lot of times, is what gets him out of trouble against the, the aggressor. So that's why I say you make him impatient. Get him to come forward. Get him to commit. You know, in and, and so many ways you can look at this fight, you could say, well, 
I think that Wilder should be able to knock him out. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, he's proved that. He stopped him in the first fight. But I wouldn't count out Ortiz yet. You know, I wouldn't count him out. There's one punch, though, I think that both men need to use is the uppercut. You know, the thing that Wilder has showed, even when he fought Stavern, uh, even when he fought Fury, is that when he decides to use, use his jab, his jab is, is actually really, really good. It's improved so much. I'd like to see him bring that in the rematch. I'd like to see him stick that long, strong jab that he does hold. Take it out of the take it out of the out of out of out of the chest box and use it against Ortiz. Because I think that when Ortiz starts to look to get underneath that jab because it's in his face, then he can release that right hand, that right uppercut. I'm sorry, the right uppercut that he was looking for in the first fight. Along goes with Ortiz. When you start letting your hands go in an onslaught that Wilder tends to look down to avoid punches by looking down, by, by crouching his, you know, lifting his shoulders up and, and burying his head like a turtle down. And he doesn't really see. And that's the one thing. That's a cardinal rule in boxing. You never get your eyes off your opponent. And Wilder does that a lot. That's the one flaw that he does have that, that, Opponents, anybody stepping in, need to pay attention. If you allow your hands to let go and he and you catch him, not only is he smart to hold you, but he does one thing that you shouldn't do. It's smart to hold to stop you from the onslaught, but he decides to look down, hoping that your punches go above his head because he knows that you're aiming upwards, not downwards. You're not eye level with him. He's a taller man. So that's the one thing that Ortiz, in my opinion, that he's got to look for. He's got to be smart enough to say, I can, I can use these, this uppercut against him at this moment, which would be in, in close range. Definitely in close, close range. You know, the one thing that, that Wilder was able to create in doing that first right was make Ortiz confident. When court or when Ortiz was able to gather his bearings when being dropped, got back up, got himself back into that fight, and then caught him with those short punches, he felt I can go in an all shootout with Wilder. Well, Wilder needs to do that again. And the same thing, Wilder needs to make him impatient. See, every guy gets in with a plan. And sometimes the first time when you've already felt the fire of the other guy, you're gonna revert. You know, when Manny Pacquiao jumped all over Barrera, the rematch, Barrera was aware of the sting. And he was like, I'm not doing that again. I'm going to fight a different route. Ortiz could do that, fight a different route. But eventually, the warrior comes out. You know, the King Kong of the guy wants to be released out of the cage. He, he wants to trample all over you. So Wilder's got to do it again. Make Ortiz be the aggressor. Make Ortiz come forward so he can walk into a big straight right. So this is a battle of the wits. Not only this athleticism versus skill, it's wits. And you can't just say it's all complete athleticism for Wilder because there's skill there that's really starting to brew with this guy. He's starting to get polished, you know? And I, I always said this, that once Wilder gets to that point, 
he's going to be a very difficult guy to knock off the, the podium. And this is going to be a hard task for, for Ortiz because not only is this lingering in his head, I've been stopped by him. I have tasted the leather of, of power this guy gives me. But I got to un- overcome all these questions because they were answered in the first fight. And that's the beauty of boxing. You step into the truth teller. The truth teller is going to reveal all the, all the questions and lies that you've had or been saying. The ring is going to expose all of that. We're going to find out whether taking on Ortiz was a smart idea for Wilder, which I believe. So I'm going to tell you this. I give credit all due to, to Wilder, brother. I tell you right now. Wilder could have sat back and do, and, and do exactly what Tyson Fury's doing. You know, just banking up the account. Instead, he's like, you know what? If I sit back, and I've always said this, fighters need to fight. That's their job. When you start to slack and you start taking lesser opponents, guys you're supposed to beat up, but guys you're supposed to stop. When you, guys, when you start getting in with guys that, that equal your, your skill level or possibly are the guy that's going to make you dig deep, a lot of these champions don't live up to those occasions because they've been, they've been baby fed. You could say whatever you want about Wilder's earlier career, but I tell you what, he's got really control of what he's doing today. He wanted, remember this, he wanted Fury in the rematch. He wanted AJ. But there's been roadblocks. And so instead of sitting back and fighting the Braziers of the world, he said, let me have Luis Ortiz again. Let me, let me have this guy. Let me have this guy that everybody said that was such a great fight. Let's do it again. Let's see if he's going to give me another run for my money or is this going to be a a, a Stavern rematch where I blow him out in one or two rounds. That to me is, that's the way a champ is supposed to speak to the fans. That's the way a champ is supposed to speak to his fans. Again, we're going to be back. We're going to be on live on Monday night, and we're going to take everybody's calls on the review of Dante Wilder versus Luis Ortiz. Uh, it's going to be 215-347-7598. I hope you guys enjoyed this segment. Um, I'm still on the fence, man. I don't think I'm going to say who's going to win. I really I really think that this is a, a really good check, checkers versus chess type of match. It can go either way. It can be a checkers match or a chess match. And I just tend to believe it's going to be a checkers match, but with a bit of a chess in it. You know, I think that they're both going to try to come out and implicate their, their, their strategy, their game plan. But like, as Mike Tyson's always said, everybody's got a game plan until you get punched in the mouth. And with two big punchers like Ortiz and Wilder, you know that somebody's plan is going to go out the ring and into the audience. And they're going to sit back and watch the fight and enjoy it just like us on Fox Pay-Per-View. Now, you bitch and moan about the pay-per-view, but I tell you what, I'm buying it. I'm watching it because why? I'm a fight fan. I love it. I'm a, I'm a boxing guy. I'm a boxing zombie. I, I can't help it. You know, it's my call. It's, you know, he keeps calling me, man. He's calling me. Remember like Pookie from New Jack City? Just keeps calling me, man. That's me. That's a lot of us out there that enjoy boxing. Right now is a great time to be a fight fan. My boy Johnny Zig said on uh, F it, let's talk fights. Right now is a great time to be a boxing fan. 
You know, you can bitch and grind about certain things about the business, but guess what? It's boxing. It's just the way it is. It was born in the shadows, in the alleys, and it still hasn't left. Yeah, guys are making a lot of money, but it hasn't changed much. You know, and it's not boxing. If there isn't a little controversy, it's not boxing. If we're not pissed about certain little things, it's not boxing. If the promoter's playing little games and here and there and the judges fuck it all up, it's not boxing. You know, so I don't blame the fighters sometimes, even though you should, you know, when they start talking about streets and whatnot. But right here, right now with Wilder and Ortiz, I can't complain about it. This is a really good fight. Wilder could have went off and fought somebody else that we didn't even know, know about, care about, or want to see. At least with Ortiz, we're like, man, that first fight was good. What if, what if Ortiz had a full camp? What if Ortiz, now knowing what he knows now, can adjust and change it? What if he gets the win and now we get a real, I mean, this is a rivalry already, but we get a trilogy. Boxing heavyweight needs a trilogy. Doesn't X out the rest of the guys. This is all good for boxing. I love it. Anyways, I'm your host, Dave Duenas, again on Leaving the Ring. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the pound for pound best radio show around the world. It's Leaving It In.